0: That is right. There she blows, Vince DiMasselli. It's Gersh Kutzman and Vince DiMasselli of Brooklyn Paper Radio recording, not live, recorded live on Monday from downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. The reason we're recording is a couple of reasons. One is we got a great phone interview set up with Nidia Velasquez. We
1: set that up in advance.
0: Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez, who has this week's Trump Buster who are you going to call? Da, da, Nidia Velasquez, da, 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 Trump Buster. And we've got da, 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 a winter storm coming in. I call it a nor'easter. Vince, a nor- nor'easter. What do you call it, Vince? What does nor'easter actually stand for? Does it stand for Northeaster? It's a northeaster. In other words, this is a classic classic northeast storm where it comes up the coast and then it comes back. It comes back. So what do you mean? It's coming up it passes us, yeah. spins around, and comes back yeah, down? Yeah, it's coming down from the Northeast. It's a crazy—you That's the. You know, you only get a couple of these a year, mm-hmm. and we've had some great success with them in terms of journalism. I mean, you remember all those videos of me out in the middle of the Nor'easter, the great Nor'easter of, of, of 2014, Oat, I think. Oat 6. Yeah, yeah, I was out there. Anyway, so we're going to have Nidia Velasquez. We're going to talk about the storm, but I would be remiss, even though we're on tape, I would be remiss by saying, Vince, how are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Went over to my mom's just today. I hadn't had meatballs
1: in a long Mm. time. Had not had them in a long time. Very excited to have some meatballs. We had long discussions about why my grandmother's meatballs were better than my mother's. My dad thinks it's the memory of the meatball that's better, but the meatball is pretty much the same.
0: What about the gravy?
1: Oh, well, well, do we call it gravy or sauce? (laughs) We call it gravy. Is that what we call it?
0: You don't call it gravy? Your mother's sauce. You're an Italian. You don't call it gravy. It don't look good. So, your father's. It conviction, don't smell good. Your con- father's conviction is that his mother's meatballs were. E- e- every bit is equal. It was wife's meatballs. My ga- I gather that he's saying that because the wife is still alive and with him and the mother is long gone.
1: Well, I told him that uh, my memory of grandma's meatballs, there was a crossover period while sure. where I was having sure. grandma's meatballs and mom's meatballs at the same time, you know. At the same event? No, not the same oh, event. Because that'd be, that would be mass No, scary. no. You know, late teens, early 20s, grandma's still cooking meatballs, and mom is making meatballs every week, and grandma's meatballs were better. So it wasn't so much the memory to me. It was the
0: actual meatballs. It seems to me you were one of the few people who would be completely objective, not just because you're a journalist and a great a great journalist and a handsome man, obviously. Yes. But you're the person who was enjoying the meatballs at the exact same moment in your life. Mm-hmm. In other words, your dad... Was eating his mom's meatballs. All of a sudden, he meets your mother. Right. He's like, oh, I love this woman. She makes meatballs. Now he's in a, he's in a bind. You no, know, my grandmother taught my mother how to
1: make the meatballs. My mother's mother died when she was very young. And so my grandmother, my father's mother, uh, who was my only grandmother that I remember, because my other grandmother died well before I was born, uh, you basically her. treated my my mother as a daughter, which she didn't have. She had three sons. Mm. And there was a very good relationship there, and she actually taught her everything. So she actually learned from my father's grandmother, mm. Grandma Rita. Mm. Okay, lovely Rita. And I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> and from my grand, from my actual grandmother, grandma, that's Caroline.
0: Well, this is all fascinating. No, stuff, No, it Vince. is
1: great stuff. But let me ask you this, Gersh. Yeah. I've had meatballs my entire life. Shh. Now, what's the famous thing about Meatballs' those old commercials? What do they say? I, I just so you
0: know, I thought you were going to say I, I'm going they, with it was, it. that's a spicy meatball. Right, that's a spi- no, as if that's a is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, in the commercial it was so spicy he had to have like a Pepto-Bismol
1: but or a Bromo continu- Seltzer. But he continued to eat the meatballs. Yeah, of course he,
0: c- he couldn't he stop. He enjoyed that the meatballs the thing.
1: Our meatballs are not spicy. There is there's no spice to them whatsoever.
0: I thought you were going to ask what's the Jewish equivalent of the Sunday meatballs that you and it would just it would be, be, be guilt. Be, uh, just be a big plate of guilt. It wouldn't be and a And go ball? to your room and eat it. I thought you'd have a matzo. No, a matzo ball was a once a year, twice a year thing. Very mm. silly. So, anyway, we got to get out. So you'd have guilt every weekend? Every <laughs> Just eat it. And that's eat fish? it, son. That's like eat a smoked it. fish? It's a, di- it's a, no, it's a big dish of it. It's like it's more, just a dish of it. You just fish. warm it up, yeah. It's a fish dish. All right, more and more. We got to get out. Look, I didn't tell you guys, I will tell you now. We're sponsored by Atlas Meat Market, Atlas Steakhouse, Joseph Lichter, and of course, uh, Village Care Max so yes. we can have sex but here's the thing we're going to do those commercials later we're going to pay some bills but again I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the elephant in the room what's
1: the elephant in the room now? what are we doing after the show Vince we're going over to Ben's school B- PS 107 and we're going to teach a class on journalism now that's not a charter school that's not a private school that's a public elementary school in Park Slope Brooklyn do they say it's one of the best public schools in Brooklyn
0: would you say that I mean, I I had two kids go through there. I think it's a great school. Anyway, I'm teaching, Now, insert joke here. Insert joke here. I am teaching a fourth grade journalism class. Jimmy, insert joke here. Insert
1: joke. What do you got, Jimmy? The
0: joke is, oh, Gersh Kuntzman's teaching fourth graders? What can he teach them? Or, I'm surprised they're not teaching the class of him. Or, well, he only writes at a third grade level, so I guess it's Okay. Oh, there you oh, go. That's yeah, the one that's a, I like. Yeah, I like that one. You that one. Give like me one. one. You go. Go. I insert like that joke one. here.
1: All right. Okay, I'm going to insert joke here. You ready? Mm. Gersh Kuntzman is teaching a fourth grade class journalism. Insert joke here.
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it. All right. Anyway, the point is I've heard it all. Okay. So don't even – oh, Gersh Kuntzman, his name sounds like a Muppet in a porn movie. I mean, I, that's not even related to journalism. And Or fourth graders for that. Well, <laughs> Muppets. <laughs> Hopefully not. Anyway, we're, so what are we going to be talking about in this session? As you know, in the past, Vince – I've talked to them about Donald Trump, trying to get them to understand and be be savvy media consumers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Jimmy, you know what I mean by that. You read a paper when you're 10 years old. You don't know what's true. You don't really know what's fake. You don't know what's sensational. You don't know what's sizzle, what's steak. Am I right? Yeah. So they know it. They got it now. But I figure I'm going to bring in Vince DiMasselli, an award-winning editor. Mm-hmm. That's true. Who's been at the Brooklyn paper for a long time. 20 years. Probably a little too long. Yeah, well, you could say that. I want to bring him in to talk about local news versus national or regional news.
1: The importance of local news. But not just local news, community news. Community news. Not just the stuff you read about in the New York Times.
0: No. In fact, part of my presentation about Vince is that Vince's stories often make uh, the New York Times months later, when the Times figures out that there's an actual trend They're, going well, on. Well, yeah,
1: they they see what's
0: happening in our papers, and then they uh, they react to it. It's not just that you're you're low to the ground. So when you're covering the controversy over the Clinton Avenue bike lane in Fort Greene, for example, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a million other bike lanes. This, this controversy is going to be coming up again. Right. That wasn't even on the Times' radar screen for a year and a half after no. we started no, our Main Streets no, coverage. No, not. We did
1: lots of stories on Brooklyn Bridge Park, and I don't. Th- I think you do a search for Brooklyn Bridge Park on the New York Times website. What do you
0: get, Gersh? What do you get? No, actually, it was back? funny. There was nothing on Brooklyn Bridge Park on the New York Times website for the first two years after you started writing it. I could not believe it. Well, we've been writing about
1: you know our writing on Brooklyn Bridge Park predates me it it, it goes back to the mid
0: 1980s well it wasn't called Bridge, Brooklyn Bridge Park then no it didn't have that specific name all right so we got to get out i want to call Ruth Brown now Ruth Brown mm-hmm. she may not be you know she's she's we don't have her on the show enough no and is, it, is, is this is our bad. morning paper segment yeah let's get a little morning papers music while i call ruth there you go i read the
2: morning papers.
0: I don't know if I can hear. Is that Ruth Brown? Ruth? Mm-hmm. We know you're extremely busy out there, uh, but we are doing a morning paper segment and we need you desperately. If you come right, into the I'd studio... i love to come in. Uh, Jimmy, hopefully that door isn't locked. Anyway, while Ruth is coming in... Uh, He's let, doing a good job, Jimmy. Pay? Let's pay a bill. Let's pay a couple bills. I go right ahead. Yeah, Guys, actually, no, Ruth is here. Let's not pay a bill. No, let, let's let's, do let's do pay it, a yeah, bill let's when bill. Ruth is done. Alright, Ruth, the reason I brought you in... First of all, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, Ruth Brown... Editor of the Brooklyn paper, if I'm not mistaken. Deputy editor. De- Deputy editor. Well, I guess Vince is the editor. Vince, Editor-in-chief. Vince, it's all about titles with you, isn't it? Uh,
1: that's all I really care about, okay. frankly.
0: <laughs> anyway, Ruth, I was telling Vince, and I was telling our listeners, that we're going to have Vince in my, my fourth grade journalism class this afternoon to talk about local news. Now, if I told you that Gersh Kuntzman was teaching a journalism class to fourth graders, insert joke here.
3: I'm sure they'll teach you a thing or two. There
0: you go. Oh, oh see? She, she nailed it. Uh, nailed it. Anyway, but Ruth, today's topic in the journalism class is Vince DiMascelli, local news versus national news. Mm. Now, you do local news. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the best. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you something. If you ever left the Brooklyn paper, it's a disaster.
1: Oh, it would be... T- I
0: uh, mean, if you no. ever left the Brooklyn paper, Ruth...
3: And mm. I'm, I'm a reader
0: now. I am I know I'm editor emeritus. The walls
1: would come down. The dams would break.
0: But you're
3: a reader now? <laughs> 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 is, it, is this a recent development? He's <laughs> yeah, just, reading, yeah.
1: awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. just been sucked in. Yeah, he just started reading. Awesome editing of Ruth Brown. She's been sucked in by
3: emeritus. the puns. I get them all eventually. Yeah. Listen,
0: this is not log rolling in our time. Ruth, Ruth Brown is a fantastic editor. If you can hear the sound of my voice in New York Times, and I know you can because you listen to this podcast, hire Ruth Brown. Hire her now. Mm-hmm. All right. What was the point of this? Oh, so we brought her in because Ruth, just answer the question. If I say to you, why, why is local news so important in the ecosystem of regional and and, and national papers like the Times and the, and even the Daily News? Like, what what do you do? What's the secret sauce that you guys do that you break stories, but then they go on? And is it sauce or gravy? <laughs>
3: Oh, sauce or gravy. Uh, I, I say sauce. Uh, I think what, what's very important, especially today, about what we do here uh, and, you know, what other community newspapers do around the country uh, is that the New York Times and the New York Daily News and the New York Post do not have uh, borough bureaus anymore. They do not cover local news in the way that they once do. I think the New York Times probably sees themselves as a national paper, maybe even as an international paper. Uh, the Post and the Daily News continue their local coverage, but they do not have the reach that they used to have
0: No, you're going too macro. Mm -hmm. Let's bring it down to micro. I'm talking about a simple bike lane story in Mm -hmm. the Brooklyn paper. Two years later, the Times suddenly realized, hey, wait a minute, we should probably get on that bike lane story. Or, for example, when Vince – when I first joined the Brooklyn paper, there was a lot of talk about, ooh, the Nets were going to come to Brooklyn. Mm. And we covered Atlantic Yards, no question about it. But we also covered the macro issue of Brooklyn, which is, wait a minute, it's not just Nets. And eventually the Times picked up on that and the Daily News and the Post picked up on that. Wait a minute. There's instant gentrification going on in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I guess I'm, what I'm asking, you point your finger on it. There's no borough bureaus. But the New York Times, you're going to tell me they don't have people who live in these communities who can freaking write a story about the changing New York before they see it in a local paper?
3: They might. They probably don't have uh, people in all of the communities that we cover.
0: I know ninety percent of Times reporters live in um, in Park Slope, and the yeah, other ten th- percent seem to live in Maplewood, New Jersey.
3: Yeah, I think they make pretty decent money over there.
0: Oh, in Maplewood?
3: Uh, no, at the Times. Oh, well, that'd be <laughs> nice.
0: Well, as I said, if you can hear the sound of my voice, hire Ruth Brown. Ruth, um, give me some of that. Give, give me one thing that you worked on last week, and I know it was probably a thousand because oh. I know how you work. Give me one thing you worked on the last week or two that you know is a story you're going to be seeing in the New York Times, the New York Daily News, New York Post. That they just they're not even aware of it yet, it's bubbling up.
3: Oh, okay. I this is pre recorded, right? This is yeah, pre recorded. Yeah. yeah, I'm working on a story right now actually about uh the plans for the very last piece of Brooklyn Bridge Park. Mm. And uh, you know, the last time they actually sat down and discuss this with the community was more than 10 years ago. Oh, Jesus. but they've said no, we've already decided what we're doing with this last part of the park, uh, it's going to be a big public plaza, and we're going to have Bon Jovi concerts there. Oh, and Some of the locals are saying, well, you know, maybe we should, but maybe we should sit down and talk about what the last part of the park has been because the park has changed considerably. It's changed the community as if, Aptly pointed out, there considerably, it's had effect on law enforcement, on schools, and all of these matters. Why don't we just sit down and talk about it? The puck saying, "No, not really."
0: Wait, hold on. The original plan ten years ago called for this public plaza. I just don't remember.
3: Um, I don't know if they ever. I think that was. I think they had some vague plans, but they're sort of basing what they think the community wants and needs based on discussions they had between 2000 and 2005.
0: Ah, so what do you think the community needs now? You just as an independent community person.
3: Uh... I think I agree with some of the activists that a lot of the park, or some of the locals, a lot of the park is not just grass, and mm-hmm. there's something to be said for just having some grass to sit on. And I think some of their concerns is that a plaza is paved. It's really just it's it's mm-hmm. not what people think of when they maybe just want to go and sit in a park. Well, for and the have record,
0: a where is this plaza? For the it's, record,
3: it's right under the Brooklyn Bridge. It's the space under the Brooklyn uh, Bridge. Oh yeah, where
0: the yeah. where they, they used they used to do a brownstone or uh, like a flea market under there.
3: Uh, yeah, I think they do one of the archway under the Manhattan Bridge. They still do, in fact. Um, but this one has been fenced off because DOT have been using it as a staging site, and also yeah. Homeland Security, uh, you know, have yeah. to keep an eye on it because they don't want people driving trucks into the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, well, which is fair.
0: Okay, that's. I guess that's fair. I you know, don't, I don't want know. trucks being driven into.
1: <laughs> no, let me tell you what. Happens also to a truck. over the Brooklyn Bridge.
0: Let mm-hmm. me tell you what happens to a truck that drives into the Brooklyn Bridge. It's the truck gets destroyed. Well, the Brooklyn Bridge is a, is a all right we, we got to get out. If there's out. The explosives is, in the truck, mm. my feeling is that should be a grass area right along the waterfront between um, the River Cafe, I believe it's right between yes. the River Cafe and, and the... Yeah. I think the emergency it's services building is still there, isn't it? Mm, there's, no, t- there's, there's a no building there. There's no, no, no emergency services. The purchase some building somewhere. was there. It was knocked down. Oh, the purchase yeah. building was knocked down. Okay, so you've got between River Cafe and the and the tobacco warehouse. Yeah,
3: and I will tell Correct. you that bu- the Buzzy O'Keefe himself showed up to this meeting uh, where they were discussing this. He because buzzed in? Uh, he did. He buzzed in. and For the record,
0: Buzzy O'Keefe, owner of the River Cafe And a friend of the paper
3: Yes So uh, I think this one's Going to heat up I think you're going to be Hearing a lot more about it Um, And uh, partially just because Until we report on it Nobody outside of this 14 person local Community advisory committee Has any idea What the park's plans are And in fact our readers Are still not going to have A great idea of what The park's plans are Because they will not Send them to me And they will not send me The renderings They are refusing to share The public Meeting uh, details with the public.
0: Well, I don't know what you're doing here. You should be getting out. You should go down there right now and demand it. So we gotta let her go, Ruth Brown, ladies and gentlemen. Again, showing us the way of the future when it comes to local news. And I swear to God, Vince, you yes. you gotta do. If you have to give her a raise to retain her, you should retain her. Because if she leaves, I mean, the only solution is you're gonna have to bring back Gersh Kunzman. That's how desperate you're going to be. <laughs> I don't see that happening. No, actually. no, if Ruth Brown— I think look- that would
3: be a great idea. No, yeah.
0: if you lost Ruth Brown, the only, the only two hands in this borough that can knock out copy as quickly as Ruth Brown is Gersh Kuntzman. They're, they're on the body of Gersh Kuntzman. Those two hands right there. These hands, right yeah. there, right you right can there. see them. All right, we've got to get out. Ruth, thank you. If you wanna, uh, before you go, let me ask you a quick mm. question. Can I get a little ad music? Ruth, before you go, I want to ask you a quick question. When was the last time? And I don't, I'm not asking because they're paying. I know they're responsible. When was the last time you saw an affordable dentist?
3: Oh, an affordable dentist? Affordable,
0: high quality dentist.
3: Not since I lived in the land of universal healthcare.
0: And that would be, I believe, South Africa,
3: Mm -hmm. judging from your accent?
0: Yeah. Okay. New Zealand. Well, the good news is we've got one of them in Brooklyn. Dr. Joseph Lichter, he's got a state of the art office with up to date technology, hygienists in fancy uniforms that perform traditional dental procedures, tooth cleanings, fillings, root canal. Tooth extractions, but also some of the high-class stuff. There goes Ruth. Also, she doesn't want to hear the truth. Also, some of the high-class stuff: Zoom whitening for four hundred dollars, dental implants for twelve fifty a tooth, Invisalign, the adult braces. Yep, four thousand dollars. This is as cheap as it gets. I know, cause I go to a fancy dentist in Brooklyn Heights. Joseph Lichter is not only a great dentist, and his smile is your priority. No, your smile is his priority. Yeah. He's a dentist for the New York Riveters, and you know that hockey teams need good teeth. So, call Joseph Lichter right now. 718-339-7878. His office is in Convenient Midwood. Right, it's really in the center of everything. He will keep your teeth snow white. I I guess you're going to read the cut line. I have no idea. There it is. Okay, go. that up.
1: Ah. Atlas Steakhouse offers a selection of premium cuts aged on site for perfect texture and taste. Atlas Steakhouse. An extensive list of vintage wines.
0: Expertly mixed cocktails. You sound like you're reading, Vince. No, I'm not. You've been to Atlas Steakhouse. Just paint the word picture. What a S- meal we had signature there.
1: Signature appetizers guaranteed to stimulate your palate. Atlas Steakhouse. Your choice cut steak crafted into a culinary masterpiece just for you. And of course... Delightful desserts, each sweeter than the last. Atlas Steakhouse is a completely unique dining experience. Visit them today, tomorrow, right now at 943 Coney Island Avenue, in up-and-coming Dippers Park, and they're
0: always online at Atlassteak.com So as you know, we're waiting for a call from Congresswoman from the of Alaska, but in between, we're going to keep paying some bills. Just bear with us. I'm interested in in getting older. Vince, you know I'm getting older. We all are. And I need to know what's going to happen when I get older. Well, Village Care Max can answer that question. Because Village Care Max is a Medicaid-managed, long-term plan that helps you stay at home and in your community for as long as possible. And here's how they do it. They're working with your Medicaid. So what they... uh, Medicare, I'm sorry. I always mix up Medicare and Medicaid. I don't know the difference. Well, Maybe we could talk about that with uh, David Velasquez. They they work with your Medicare, and they keep you... have a team of professionals. It's all paid for. The goal is to keep you in your community. You don't want to go to some nursing home. You don't want to go to some death panel, right? They have, they have death panels? No, like that's Logan's a Logan's Run? Anyway, Village Care Max. They work together with you. And best of all, the plan's at no extra cost. So get information by calling Village CareMax at 800-469-6292 or your village... I always do that. Or you village them at villagecaremax.org. The village them? Visit them at VillageCareMax.org. Village Care Max, for the life you want to it live.
1: It is the life you want to live. And for the steak you want to eat, you're going to need to visit Atlas Meat Market. Now, Atlas Meat Market is located... This is confusing to me, though. Yes. we got Atlas Steakhouse
0: and yes. Atlas Meat Market. Are they, are they affiliated?
1: There may be a connection. Interesting. The meats you buy at Atlas Meat Market,
0: wholesale. Could be the meats that you eat... At Atlas Steakhouse. But unlike Atlas Meat Market, Atlas Steakhouse is not halal, is it? Um, that's a good question. I don't remember. Okay. Did we have lobster there? We had shrimp, right?
1: We had the crab cake. We did have crab cake. That does not sound halal to me, does it? I mean, I'm not a Muslim. Well, the fact of the matter is, Atlas Meat Market is halal, so you're not going to get any pork there, but you're going to get the finest cuts of your favorite steaks, chicken, and veal. It's at Atlas Meat Market. The great thing about Atlas Meat Market, they deliver anywhere in these great United States. Is that like Omaha Steaks? Just like Omaha Steaks. So it's in Brooklyn. Brooklyn Steaks. Yeah, it's Brooklyn Steaks. You give them a call, and they will ship them out wherever they need to go. What's the number? Well, you can give them a call at 347-915-2000. You don't have time to get to the store today? Give them a call right now. Place your order. Show up. Pick it up. Take it home. Eat like a king. Atlas Meat Market. Eat like a king. Wait, what about if you're a vegetarian king? Well, I think
0: there's going to be an Atlas uh, vegetable stand that will be. <laughs> no, this really, Jimmy, put up. Can we put this sign up? There's actually a bunch of vegetarian kings. I believe the king of Denmark is a vegetarian. Atlas
1: Meat Market, where you will not see the king of Denmark eating, at 387 Avenue X, Brooklyn, New York. That's one one two two three. In case you want to send him a letter, Atlas
0: Meat Market eat like a king. Did you just give the zip code of a meat market? I did. <laughs> Alright, in case you want to send them a letter. Dear Atlas Meat Market, I love you guys. Long time <laughs> fan, first time well, writer. Get, they,
1: get a lot of, they get a lot of fan mail from uh, the radio show. <laughs> there's no question about that. Alright, okay. so we paid some bills and
0: sure enough, there's Nidia Velasquez. Yeah, that's and it. Just Right, right on, on time. Hello. Hey, hey is that representative Nidia Velasquez? Yes, yes. Well, it is so good to hear the sound of your voice. You're on the re- radio live with Gersh Kuntzman, obviously of the Daily News, and Vince DiMaselli who's on my right and a handsome man who is the editor of the Brooklyn Paper. How are you, Congresswoman?
2: Great, great. I'm I'm fine. Thank I, you. Thanks really for having me.
0: Well, no, we really appreciate you having uh, coming on because as you know, we've spoken to several of your colleagues including Congressman Nadler as part of our regular, we like to call it Trump Busters sequence because all over Brooklyn and Manhattan I guess too, we have Cong- members of Congress who are trying to do the Lord's work and not not just oppose the president for obstruction purposes, but to oppose the president where we need to. And I know you've been working on a bunch of things. Yes. We want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. Because right I know you have limited time. You're a member of Congress. Let's Right off the bat, we got to talk about health care for a second. Mm-hmm. And you, you were in Congress when Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, passed. And it passed with no Republican votes. So obviously, just by definition, it was a controversial bill. Correct. But, but is Obamacare imploding... In the way that Donald Trump says it is, and if it is imploding the way he says it is, why wouldn't he just let it implode and then come in as the hero?
2: Because he's smarter than that. You know, you can't tell 20 million people that today enjoy access to affordable health coverage that this is not working for them. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, The fact of the matter is that when we were working on the Obamacare legislation, there was active participation from Republican members of Congress Mm -hmm. and Republican senators. But at the end, they decided to follow the Republican leadership and follow the Republican page and vote against it because they didn't want to give President Barack Obama a victory.
0: Okay, fair enough, but let's just go back to what they're doing now, repeal and replace. Now, the bill that's—actually, you're going to have to vote on in a couple of weeks, I think, a couple of days. This Paul Ryan bill does not seem to even solve the problems that they say are in Obamacare. What's your take on that?
2: Well, look, what— because of the public pressure in their own districts. Remember, one of the greatest accomplishments of the Affordable Care Act is Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the numbers of Medicaid recipients, the highest numbers that you're gonna find come from red counties Mm -hmm. and red Mm -hmm. states. So all of the sudden, constituents in those states realized that the Medicaid uh the, that the Medicaid coverage that they enjoy today is the same as Obamacare now they're putting pressure on the member of Congress mm-hmm. not to support a not only a repeal with no replacement and um you know this is not gonna resolve any issue. This is basically for ten years they have been fighting against Obamacare. They ran on that uh, commitment that they will repeal Obamacare, but then they found themselves that Donald Trump was sent to the White House and that they did not have a plan in place.
0: Well, he also was on, on record as saying the other day, it's so complicated. It is complicated. Yeah. Yes. But the question I have is you're, you're there. How do you see this actually playing out over the next couple of days and weeks? Because, as you know, there's eight Republican senators who said they cannot support the plan.
2: Yes. Uh, uh, even within the House and the Republican Conference, uh, they are, at this point, in disarray. Uh, you have the Freedom Caucus and uh, the study group uh, that are the most fiscally conservative members, and a lot of them are not. They have big questions and big issues. They believe that the tax credits that are embedded into this bill will provide will create another entitlement and therefore is not a repeal so they there's not um the the type of support that Paul Ryan would love to point to is not there within their own rank. so
1: so do you see this bill going down in flames right now do you think that it would not pass as as it's put together right now
2: well the only thing that i can see is how persuasive uh, Paul Ryan could be and the president himself by telling these members, I know, I know that you don't like it. I know that you have uh, ideological issues with the legislation, but this is to us a matter of political survival. We cannot let this not
0: succeed yeah, but that's but that seems short sighted and I obviously you're a politician, sometimes you guys get short-sighted, no offense, but yeah, but no, that seems isn't. so short sighted because mm-hmm. if if oh, if people literally die and millions, maybe even if it's just a million people lose their health care, that doesn't look good
2: no it doesn't, and um, let me just say this: uh, I would love to think that Republicans who really care about the, the public health of their constituents, at the end, will do what is right. And in back when we voted on the Obamacare, a lot of Democrats that voted for it, they knew that by casting the, that vote that they were not coming back to
3: That's Congress. Right. That's and right. we
2: lost. We lost 52 congressional seats. Mm-hmm. But we voted for the bill, and they voted for the bill, knowing that it might cost them their political career. Uh, And I would love to think that at least there's going to be a few of them to say this is going to have an impact on the constituents that I represent. This could be a matter of life and death, for many people in this country.
0: So, so why are we not moving towards what everybody knows is the only way to go, which is Medicare for all? I mean, Bernie talked about it. I know you've talked about it. Yes. Th- there was once a public option on the table that got removed from Obama. Well, come on, Medicare for all is the only way.
2: Well, w- uh, unless we take money out of politics, it's not going to happen. Well, that's what it was.
0: But you're in politics.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> not too many people are willing, um, you know, to take those difficult uh, votes and, and, and to vote for um, what is good for the country. And that is the reality. You know, pharma, big pharma, they put a lot of money into some of these uh, members of Congress. Sure. and And
0: so... Yeah, I get it. No, I'm. I'm not complaining about the political system. I believe poli- Good policy can still come out of good politics, but we need a compromise, and that's the compromise. Yeah. All right. We got to get out on health care, but I do want to ask you another question because this is a. This is a huge issue in Brooklyn and Queens and w- w- what we call the Bullwinkle District, which is what you represent mm-hmm. since 1993. You know, President Obama's made a bunch of executive orders specifically about expanding the the role of local law enforcement in helping the immigration authorities ostensibly deport people. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you have a piece of legislation, I think it was just introduced, Yes. that would prevent the Department of Homeland Security from mm-hmm. deputizing local law enforcement officials. Yeah. Now, first of all, to answer this question, is that happening in New York? Does the NYPD deputize local po- cops to help them?
2: No, it's not happening, and it, not in the state of New York. Okay. Uh, is it uh, happening Bovenom somewhere? And, uh, and, and Bill de Blasio has been good. Uh, on this. First of, and foremost, how could we, the city of New York, or any state government, uh, put resources from their budgets uh, to do the work and the responsibility of the federal government? Immigration and enforcement is not the role of the city government, nor the state. So we have failed in that regard because you know, it, is, it, it makes a good political, uh, it scores political points for them to say that uh, we have uh, illegal immigration and so on, but they refuse to sit down and craft a bipartisan bill to end this unbroken system, to put an end to this uh, system that is really broken.
0: Well, so what's the solution? You you've been down there. You know what what you you have in your head. What you, what would you do?
2: Well, we President to, Velasquez, we need to uh, to address the issue of redistricting so that we could change the political landscape um, because with so many people coming from districts where they feel that they will not be held accountable for not doing the work that we were sent to do in Washington to work in a bipartisan Mm. way, to look for real solutions, to tackle the issues that are impacting our national security. Because when you issue executive orders like this, you're compromising public safety in our communities, and you are compromising our national safety and security.
0: Well, the president would say, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I'm on your side on this particular issue, but the president would say he's securing communities by deporting what he calls the bad hombres.
2: Well, it's not the bad hombres. It's it's a lot of people, hardworking people, a lot of even dreamers. The other day in Arizona or one of those states, a, a young dreamer, a woman, was arrested after she participated in a press conference and now this week she was about to be released. Mm. So that's not fair. Too many people are suffering. Too many families are suffering because of this. Students and young children are suffering uh, because of uh, the actions taken by this White House.
0: Hmm. I mean, what, so so so, what would your bill actually do? Let's just lay it out there. Tell your, tell our listeners what the bill would do. Uh,
2: well, it, it will. Uh, uh, um, it will suspend the 27. Uh, G Program, which allows uh, the Department of Homeland Security to de- uh, deputize uh, local and state law enforcement for immigration enforcement. And um,
0: it would suspend that, Local rule,
2: you're poli- uh, police resources, uh, as I said to you before, uh, should go toward pursuing dangerous criminals, mm-hmm. not creating fear in our immigrant communities.
0: Right. I mean, I, look, I'm with you 100% because I live in Brooklyn. And I know how hardworking, not just immigrants, I'm hardworking, Vince is hardworking, mm-hmm. you're down in D.C. working hard. But to, to penalize one group of those hardworking people, that's just wrong to me. And I know how Brooklyn operates. Well, well oh, Vince is coming in. All right, <laughs> now you're going to get the tough question, Congresswoman. Yeah, no,
1: but what do you say to the, uh, the residents out there that are just like, look, these people broke the law. Even if they're not breaking the law now, even if they have jobs, even if they're b- actually... Contributing to society, but they broke the law to get into this country, and they need to be removed. Like, what do you say to those people that, that think that?
2: Tell me how in the world are you are going to deport 11 million people? Explain to me how are you going to... These 11 million people that are here who have children, who have worked hard, um, have roots in our community, it, it just it, it is not... There is no viable solution unless we bring a legislative solution. There is no other pathway to deal with this issue of undocumented people. 11 un- uh, million undocumented in this country.
1: Hmm. Did you ever meet Trump before uh, before he ran for office? Uh, like- I did. And where, like, as a just as somebody in New York City that you saw around at fundraisers or what? How did, how did um, you know? No,
2: I I I met him once uh, at a I I believe it was a baseball game when <laughs> he was dating Marla Maples.
0: Oh well, he also ultimately just by it. accident. All right. So what'd you <laughs> think of him? I mean, let's let's look. You're a congresswoman. He's the president. You free speech. What do you think of him?
2: Um, well, based on what I see and the fact that that he basically doesn't understand how Washington works Uh, he's going to find out pretty soon that we are three branches of government that are co-equal and in order for him to enact his vision or legislative agenda that he needs to work in collaboration with the members of Congress
0: yeah, but what, what if a guy went down there, got elected, and said, I really do want to drain the swamp? And frankly, Congresswoman, I mean, you're in the swamp. So how, do you, how could you actually shake things up and do it the right way?
2: By having people in his cabinet that really represent the dreams and aspirations of the people of this country. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to appoint someone uh, to be the head of the EPA that basically doesn't believe... Uh, that the government should play any role in terms of uh, clean air, clean uh, clean water, and that regulations play a, any role in making sure of the public health of our nation. How could you appoint someone like that that has been that has sued the the, the EPA, I believe, like five times? I mean, you gotta be, you know. Uh, let let's be serious. You know, government is is not a It's not a game. Uh, You know, it it takes a lot of um, negotiations, and it takes a lot of collaboration. And sometimes we have to, um, you know, change our positions a little bit so that we could accommodate. That's the art of negotiation.
0: You know, i got to say I'm gratified because Congresswoman Velasquez uh, is quoting me to me. Because I wrote a story recently, I know you saw it, Congressman, thanks for mentioning it, about how I am a tax and spend and regulate Democrat. I believe in regulations. I believe mm-hmm. that you should have companies that don't pollute the air and water. Correct. So, but the president, as you know, is going to wipe out, has already started wiping out a lot of those regulations. And he, in fact, installed people in the cabinet who do not believe in the mission of the agency they represent.
2: Like the Secretary of Treasury.
0: He doesn't believe in money?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's the only thing that he believes. He does, yeah.
0: (laughs) No, but, I mean, you're talking about...
2: No, in terms of regulation, you know, this is it. How how many banks has gone uh, under since we enacted uh, the Dodd-Frank? No banks. Okay. So, and one of the first things that they want to do is to uh, repeal the Mm Dodd-Frank and put an end to the uh, Consumer Protection Board that has returned $11 billion to consumers in this country.
0: And also, believe it or not, an executive order wiped away a financial regulation that prevented uh, investment advisors from selling you an instrument solely based on what the return to them was going to be. And they're going to get rid of that regulation so that People can sell you things that make them a better profit, regardless of what's performance for you. And I think that was crazy, because that's a consumer protection that I respect. Yes. Well, I don't know. We, we, we know you have limited time. I've got to ask you a question, because, you know, we can talk about regulations and, and laws and bills and presidents. But let's talk about Congress for a second. You've been there for a while. You have to know, and you have to have an opinion on some of these guys, some of these Republicans. Like this guy, Steve King from, uh, from oh. Iowa. I mean, he, is he the dumbest guy you've ever met?
2: Well, you know, he served in my committee, on the small business committee where I'm the ranking. And maybe like 15 years ago, uh, he was complaining about, of course, undocumented immigrants. Of course. And um, so he said, uh, it's it, it just outrageous. Look, at the guy truly believes the things that he say. Does I, he? I, I he, think.
0: He, he said the other day... That there are Muslim babies being born in America, and mm-hmm. that is undermining our civilization. Yes. I mean, I,
2: c- come that on. That is so disgusting so and outrageous. But do you say I that to his out face today? You, yeah? On that.
0: No, forget about tweeting. If you're you're in the cafeteria, you're in the commissary, you're in the subway underground. You ever say, "Hey, Steve, come on, give me a break"? Uh, no. Uh, you guys, because you guys are too, you have too much decorum.
3: Yeah.
0: But you're you're <laughs> from Brooklyn Queens. Come <laughs> on, media. <laughs> i got to tell you something. If I saw Steve King in the subway, the New York City subway, I would go over at least and say, hey, Congressman, come on.
2: You know, when when he said about undocumented uh, complaining at all, so it was, I guess, the Homeland Security person or the ICE person who came before my committee, and we were discussing the economic impact of, um, um, you know, immigration and and the kind of... um, uh, how it will impact, like the restaurant industry or farmers in America? They are not finding people who will go and um, you know pick their crops and so on. And he complaining, he was complaining that there were too many in his district. And I said, look, um, you better be careful. Do you have a lawn in your house? Because pretty soon you might be the one uh, cutting the lawn because you will not find any other person because. Those are the jobs that nobody else wants to
0: do. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So Steve yeah. King aside, I know you're being very, have a lot of decorum. There's got to be somebody else in Congress that you just literally you see this Congress person across the hall, and you're like, that person is such an idiot. Come on, give us. This is this is not just between you and me. Tell the no. world. Let's tell the world. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. No. All right. I got to get back
1: to these. Com- I don't want
2: to go there. <laughs> okay, fine. fine. I got
1: to right. get back to these committee meetings because I'm a nuts and bolts guy. How does a committee meeting work? Is that like held at a Starbucks? Are there donuts? Is there coffee? What's going on at a committee meeting? Like, where no. is it being held? Where, how how what does that mean, come about? In the Congress. Look, I no want to know.
2: No matter the topic or if you disagree with the kind of congressional hearing, uh, we do the work. Uh, even if we disagree, we just, in, we do the research, um, we bring the witnesses, we ask the questions, and people come to those congressional hearings. Every committee, uh, does the work that in, needs to be done and in terms of the, the notes and bolts of research, uh, questions, witnesses, and so on. Um that's you know, so in a very serious way.
0: So here's my question then. and Because I'm, as I said, I'm a tax and spend and regulate Democrat. Mm-hmm. And I believe in government. So where do you think the reputation of Congress, and frankly, Congress and journalists, you and I are competing for like the bottom. Where does that bad reputation come from? Because I do know what you guys do. I've covered hearings. I hear the questions. They're good questions. You've got staff that researches stuff. So why do you guys have such a bad reputation?
2: I guess fake news started uh, out not recently. That was come on. No, this
0: (laughs) goes way back, though, Congressman. (laughs) I
2: know. So
0: where did I I mean? I I see what you do. Why doesn't the whole public see what you do?
2: Uh, I don't know. Uh, Look, when I have and 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 this is what I always say to my staff: if there is anyone that comes from New York, a constituent, or even organization, even if they're not from New York, but they are asking to see me. Please make room for them. And sometimes uh, they call votes or I have to be in a committee and they go and then I invite them to go to the floor and then from there I come back to the committee to continue to ask questions and then another people are waiting in my room for uh, my office to have another meeting and they realize that, that we spend the time, you know, those who are truly committed to represent our district doing the work, but then you hear the stories about you know people raising money and mm-hmm. um, and voting this way because they got this money from this. Um, so that that type of um, um, that that type of story, I guess, shape um, the notion out there, the perception that people. Um, pay to play, and that members uh, will not do right by the people that you represent, but by the special interests that are contributing. This is why it's so important that we address the issue of taking money out of politics.
0: Well, I know, but you know, Congresswoman, that's a two-edged sword, because unions play a role in, in influencing policy in a positive way, as far as my concern. But, you know, unions make contributions just as much as the Koch brothers do. Not not in the same numbers, but you know what I'm getting at. I can
2: tell you, com- banks contribute to me. I sit on the Financial Services Committee, but then when people analyze my voting record, they realize that most of the time, maybe 95%, 96% of the time, uh, I vote not the way that they suspect I should vote because I'm getting money. So
0: why are, no, they, why are they giving you money then?
2: I don't, well, I guess they know that I'm going to be there. But I, look, if, if because if they call my office to ask to meet with me, I will provide the venue. I will, uh, I will uh, meet with them. I will listen to them, uh, and I will explain to them, look, the, and because of this, because the legislation is strictly... Bipartisan, because there is not a product that I could say is a bipartisan product. Therefore, it's not the best legislation. So, if you talk to them, if you listen to them, if they know that you're serious and that you want to work in in, in a, affecting the, the legislative process, but in a way that is bipartisan, well, they, re, they then they support you.
0: Mm. I mean, so it does sound like they, are get, they do get access for that money. I mean, they get to talk to you.
2: Okay. Yeah, well, everybody should have access to my office. Everyone. Everyone who asks to come and meet. And then at the end, I will vote my conscience, and I, vo- I will vote my district.
0: I mean, I'm going to leave it at that, because I know the congresswoman has to go, and she's given us 20 good thank minutes. Thank you. Congresswoman, thank you very much for sure. taking the time. We really appreciate it. Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez of the Ballwinkle District, thank you very much. Bye. Right. All right, thank there you. There she goes. Now, that, I got to say, I started that conversation mm-hmm. thinking, I don't know if I really like Native of Alaska. She's been in Congress for a long time. Don't I don't really see a lot of bills with her name on it. I certainly don't see buildings that are going to have you know, airports named that's
1: after her. I've told you this a thousand times. It doesn't matter how many bills you write. I know. I know. Th-
0: that's silly. I was just building up the same. But you know yeah. what? We had a nice conversation with her, an intelligent conversation. It was. And I'm willing to rethink where I was before.
1: Uh, where you were in regards to your opinion of Nidia Velasquez?
0: Yeah, in other words, I didn't. Th- I thought she was kind of a backbencher, and maybe she mm-hmm. is. But she said a lot of. Th- First of all, she and I are, are like you cannot put a playing card between me and Nidia Velasquez on the issue of immigration. Yeah, it seems that way. No, I am pro-immigrant. I'm pro-undocumented immigrant. I'm. You want to come here? Come here. Come on in. Come in. <laughs> come on in. All right, we got to pay a couple Gers of got, bills. Gers got the welcome wagon. <laughs> I'm driving the welcome wagon. All right, we got to pay some bills and we'll get out of here. Got a big storm coming in, Jimmy. Yeah, I know. Can we get a little big? Can we get something? How are we doing on time, Jimmy? We, we got a couple minutes. So, guys, I'll ask Vince. I, I want to ask the congresswoman because she's got special health care because she, she's in Congress. You know, I was I was gonna ask her before before you uh, you cut her off. Yeah, I had
1: my big question coming. I mean, we had McGillis on last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was talking about the gap between uh, you know the gap between people living on, on the seaboards and people living inland so to sure, speak yeah. and the the gap between like or all the money like going for you know all the money Amazon makes just flows through San Francisco Seattle. or wherever, Seattle wherever wherever they're located because now they own retail and the one question i was going to ask was all right, what company do you see out there that needs to be broken up
0: i that's think a legitimate that? question I'm glad you didn't ask that, only because we did have to let her go. She gave us a couple more minutes than we had asked for. And, I, you know, this bills pending, baby. It's something, it's something to think about. Speaking of bills. Yeah. So listen, I don't go to quality, affordable dentists. Because I go to dentists in Brooklyn Heights and Park Slope. Why? Why am I not going to Dr. Joseph Lichter? Well, first of all, I don't really take care of my teeth. So that's the first reason. But the second reason is, he's out in Midwood, and I, I just, you know, what happens is, you get caught up in things, you got kids, whatever. But, if you need a quality dentist, Go to Lichter. He's got a state-of-the-art dentistry office. Du- Brooklyn Paper Radio listeners, and I'm one of them, get incredible discounts. You mentioned Gersher or Vince, or Brooklyn Paper Radio, or even Jimmy, our producer. Zoom, or Johnny. Zoom bleaching, three ninety-five. dollars Dental implants, $12.50. Invisalign, that's the adult braces behind the teeth, you don't even see them, $3,995. Porcelain veneers, seven fifty. dollars Smile makeover, dental implants, porcelain veneers, Invisalign, periodontal plastic surgery, tooth whitening, everything. He's also the dentist for the New York Riveters women's hockey team, so you know they need good teeth. Call him, 718-339-7878. Your smile is Joseph Lichter's priority. josephlichterdds.com, 1420 Avenue P in Brooklyn. Yeah, you got to eat like a king An at Atlas well, not, not, not
1: Steve King. No, not Steve. At Atlas Meat Market. Atlas Meat Market, as you know, now located at 387 Avenue X in Graves and Brooklyn. It's halal
0: meat. You're not going to get pork. There's no pork there, Gersh. Yeah, don't throw around that word halal like anybody knows what it means. Look, it's it's clean, delicious meat. It is. Done in a certain way. Yeah. That does not include pork. Yeah, you can't have pork. I mean, they if know. you're a Jew, you can't have pork either. That would be kosher. Yeah, kosher halal. They're very similar. They're working together. Well, I, don't I don't know if they're working
1: together, but they're no, very you know similar. you about that? Maybe. Well, Atlas Meat Market has the finest cuts of steak, of chicken, and of veal. And the great thing about uh, Atlas Meat Markets is they deliver anywhere in the world. But more Wait, importantly, now it's the world? Before it was but <laughs> more importantly, they deliver straight to your door. You don't have time to get out there today. You don't have time to make it to the meat market. Give them a call. They'll ship it right to your house. Nice. Yeah, that's wonderful. Atlas Steakhouse is, as always, at 387 Avenue X in uh, Gravesend. What's the
0: number? (laughs) Good. (laughs) You don't have the phone number. He just said you call them up, they'll ship the steak to you. Operators are standing by. (laughs) At what number?
1: 347-915-2000. Operators are
0: standing by at Atlas Meat. Market. Somebody should get those operators a chair. Anyway, we didn't talk a lot about my sex life on the air today, which is rare because I, I enjoy sex. But one of the other things I enjoy... Gersh, it's going to snow tomorrow. Uh, one of the things I enjoy... Yeah. And snow day is a good day to have a little sex. Yeah. But anyway, one of the things I also enjoy is aging because I'm getting better. I cannot wait till tomorrow because I'm getting better every day. So you get better with age. But... Got the years behind you, Gersh. But there's going to come the a... confidence. T- there's going to come a time, Vince, when I won't be able to... I'll do everything for myself, and my kids are going to say, let's put dad in the home. No, don't put me in a home. No, no, no. Use my Medicaid. Get me Village Care Max, a Medicaid-managed long-term plan that helps me stay at home and in my community, and I brought up sex, having sex in my home. Yep. So get all the information you need, villagecaremax.org, or call them at 800-469-6292. And here's their slogan, Village Caramax, Live the life you want to live and have the sex you want to have. We talked about Atlas Meat Market. Now we're going to talk about Atlas Steakhouse. Because
1: if you don't have time to cook that steak yourself, the next best thing is to head over to Atlas Steakhouse, where at Atlas Steakhouse you dine a cut above the rest. First, you select a premium cut. It's aged on-site for optimal texture and taste. You can enjoy a delicious Vintage wine, an expertly mixed cocktail, or signature appetizer while Atlas Steakhouse crafts your choice cut into a custom culinary masterpiece. Complete your dining experience with an exquisite signature dessert, and you will understand why at Atlas Steakhouse, you always dine a cut above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse at 943 Coney Island Avenue. You can visit them online all the time at
0: atlassteak.com. Come on, we ran out of ads. We ran, went a over. No, it
1: ended right there, and then it's kind of like picked back up again. I don't the understand.
0: good the good news is, so Vince, we got a big storm coming in. It's the reason we're taping a day early. Stella, they, the Weather Channel calls it Stella. Stella! I, mean, I don't even know why they would name a storm that, given that that's going to be everybody's reaction. But truth be told, yeah. before we came and did the radio show, Vince was assigning one of his young reporters, hey, can you give me a weather story? I just need a weather story. Weather story. And the guy's like, well, what do you mean weather story? And I'm like, Vince. Uh, not for nothing but can i just write the lead for that yeah what go. was my lead it was it's the storm of the century of the year it's the storm of the century of the year there you go because it, it is stella's gonna be a big storm we're expected to get 18 inches of snow i heard to 24 inches, no no i am predicting right now if you can hear the sound of my voice 12 to 14 inches in central park 12 to 14 in central park i don't know where that is in prospect park it'd be 12 to 16 inches 12 to 16. Yeah, a little bit more in Brooklyn. Well,
1: it's going to be very windy, so there's going to be heavy snow drifts. Ah. Lots of drifting. Drifting? Yeah, there'll be drifting. I hate those drifters. Well, in my house, you know what happens? The whole side of my house gets covered in snow. Well, you you live on the rock. I live on the rock, and I have a... It's kind of like a cape house. And the roof comes down very low. Mm. And sometimes, because there's nothing next to us, it's like a frozen tundra there, the snow just blows and covers the entire door. That snow really blows. It does. And if you had skis, you could ski down from the top of my house to the bottom. I'm thinking about putting in a lift on the other side. It's kind I'm of a short,
0: how, how a short run. How long a run would be that fun. be?
1: You know what? The kids these days, they don't want to climb back up the hill. Yeah. So you you don't want to have that long of a hill. You want something just short enough that they can
0: get down, but I got to put a lift on the other side on most property. What would you charge for a lift ticket to take you to the top of your your house? Kids slide down; they probably do it all day long. What would you charge for a lift? 25 ticket? Twenty-five a pop. Twenty twenty-five a li- for, the for the all, day. For all the day. Day, day ticket for the day. You know, just so you know, Vince, skiing has become extremely expensive. That's why
1: I'm saying twenty-five a pop. That's a discount. That's a that's a deal. Sure. Okay. We got to get out. How anyway. much it cost? You took your son skiing. What's it cost now? What's a lift ticket? Oh my God! Lift tickets are like a hundred dollars a day. Did it come with? Uh, did it come with uh, lessons or anything like that? No lesson. Really? Yeah, it's not cheap. It's my not brother cheap. used to work, uh, both of my brothers worked at Hunter Mountain mm. up there in... Uh, in uh, Hunter, Hunter, New York? Well, Tannersville. Yeah. It's near, near Tannersville. Yeah. And uh, my brother was a snowboard instructor. Was this your asshole brother or your good brother? Both brothers. Oh, okay. My asshole brother was a ski instructor, and my fat brother was a uh, snowboard instructor. But he was a very good snowboard teacher. He was very good at it. One time, he's drinking with mm. his buddies, mm. and one of the guys he worked with actually worked at a circus. Interesting. Right? And he's like, dude, they're drinking and possibly smoking. And he says to him, you know you know what I got in the trunk? And they're like, what? And he says, I got a ring of fire. A ring of fire? I swear to God. They, he actually had a ring of fire that, like, the leopards or the tigers jumped right, through sure. at the circus?
0: It wasn't actually ignited uh,
1: yet. No, no, no. He had the ring, <laughs> and they needed a little gas tank. Ah, Natural gas, propane, or something like that. They had the propane tank there. They lit it up, ah. and these guys, these knuckleheads, actually jumped through the ring of fire dun,
0: dun, 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 on dun. their on
1: their on their uh, snowboards. I would not have done that. I have a video. It used to be at lift.com. My brother used to have a uh, a clothing uh, thing called lift. Lift l y f t. It was l i f t, but the idea oh. being the idea be, being
0: it was like some drug references there. He spelled it normally. Nobody spells anything normally anymore. Well, he had a nice logo. Dun, 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 dun. All right, got to get out. Jimmy, can we get a little music? We're getting out. Vince, you're coming to my class. We're going to teach fourth graders about I the art and craft of journalism. I can't to teach the fourth graders what we like to call the work of the Lord. Yeah. I'd like to thank Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez, representing you in the Bullwinkle District since 1993, joining us by phone from D.C. Yep. And, of course, our sponsors, Atlas Meat Market, Atlas Steakhouse, Joseph Lichter, DDS, and, of course, Village Care Max. I'm Gersh Kunzman of the New York Daily News, and I didn't even say it. Joined by a handsome man Vince DiMasselli. Yeah, it's gonna be great. We'll see you next week, but I think Atlas should get into the dentistry and, and, and home healthcare. Sure. Thank you, Jimmy.